0: The trade deadline is basically upon us. We're going to be recording the mock trade deadline, Danny. Ten days from now, this early trade deadline. Never, my body clock is all off. It's like I've traveled to a foreign country every year now, but this is like the third year of this already. So we got to get started, and I think the best place to do it is in the Central Division, where Andre Drummond might be the biggest name who has been the discussion of trade talks.
1: Yeah, he has been. And the, for those who are newer to this, the way we do it is division by division, and then go through a bunch of different pieces of information for each team and. For for the Pistons, I want to start with their fundamentals, just so people are in the same place. They are barely under the luxury tax right now. Within five thousand dollars is where is where I'm seeing it. So that means you know you can't even make a make a ten day signing. You can't really do can't really do anything outside of giving your two way guys minutes. Now that is a circumstance that can resolve itself very easily through any sort of trade where they shed salary. Also, should they clear a little bit of wiggle room, the Pistons have trade exceptions worth two point five and one point one million, both of which expire on the deadline, and they also still have a portion of their mid-level exception left that it started at 1.9 million according to what i had and that will prorate the mid-level exception starts prorating reducing on january 10th so that just happened but so if they clear some salary there are actually ways for the pistons to add players
0: yeah and most interesting to talk about here is what the market has been for drummond discussion that the hawks could be interested but james edwards iii of the athletic reporting that the pistons are not getting any offers with assets for for Drummond essentially just expiring contracts of which the Hawks have uh, just a few and but Edwards is saying in the end he could see them maybe even doing it for cap space it occurred to me even that they might want to just do it to save some cash for next year and not to be as expensive they do have Reggie Jackson coming off the books next year they do have Langston Galloway coming off the books and if they're able to move Drummond whether it's a potential new contract for him or i kind of think a little more likely him opting in to his 28.7 million that he's owed next year they could actually have you know 30 7 million or so in cap space again in a year when nobody's trying to reduce cash so they're they're not going to be able to maybe play the bad asset game of picking up a first round pick for taking on bad salary necessarily but i mean do you agree with that if you're the pistons would you be willing to move drummond just to not have to pay him next year or the rest of this year
1: i I would be a little bit skeptical of that. I mean, yes, Drummond helps move the needle for them and I've I've already been an advocate when Blake Griffin got hurt that they could tank a little bit harder and and get a much better draft pick and so if they think Drummond materially affects those endeavors then they could do it. But the other and to me this is where the question goes and I think this is a really interesting question considering how you and I feel about Andre Drummond which is if Drummond opts in and picks up that 28.8 is what his option is worth. What happens then? So remember that the Hawks have already shown to be interested and i'm not you know so like there aren't that many teams with cap space there are some teams that would have matching enough salary to make something work and for me i would i would actually as the pistons be not super thrilled about that and so if if you would rather not have him on that option if he picks it up then trade it that's that's really the way this works and if you know you don't want him on his next contract and th- with the pistons because of all this money i mean it's they're kind of like the thunder in the sense that they've been they've had lacked flexibility for such a long time that we kind of assume they always do but theoretically if they move Drummond they could have cap space because there could be a scenario where you want him to opt in and then trade him for a larger exception but assuming they don't bring back Reggie and Langston Galloway they would be better off to just have cap space.
0: well here's another thing I would say too if I'm then I'm very motivated to lose the rest of this year and try to get up into having a pretty good draft we talked about this a couple weeks ago for them that it's been since the Darko year and since the Grant Hill year really that they are had uh, when you're talking about their own draft pick that they've picked, you know, top five, and it, even it, it, during their Nadir after the Rashid Wallace, chauncey Billup teams were done. Sorry, we'll include Ben Wallace there too, even though he left a little earlier. uh just just because Feldman is going to come for me if I don't. uh they're only picking you know eighth, ninth every year. KCP, Greg Monroe, Drummond are the guys that they're getting. So you've noted this that where they are in terms of number of wins, if they could just stop winning which uh, they seem to be doing a pretty good job of lately Uh, then I mean they couldn't even beat the Pels last night with uh, pretty much every starter out for them other than Lonzo Ball at home then they'll uh, they'll improve that draft pick so you have to think that Derek Rose he's probably the guy to me that has the most value on this team Langston Galloway both those guys making in the seven million dollar range so they're pretty easy to match salary on them maybe even Tony Snell who's had a little bit of a bounce back year though I think he's playing the way he always has played he just is getting more playing time in detroit so uh markeith morris who has a player option for next year at 3.3 million and is back now from that foot sprain i think that everything here should be on the table it should be an absolute fire sale for these guys the question is just what can you get
1: Right, and and I think with especially with Derrick Rose, it's entirely possible if teams are just playing a, the other teams are playing hardball because the market is just weak. That if to me, if offers aren't there, they can hold on to him and trade him next o- in the off season. I think that's a possibility. You could argue, and I would, that the. Benefit of losing him because of how less competent their team will be would be quote unquote worth it. But it'll just kind of depend on where the offers are. And then another a, a couple other notes that are interesting for the pistons. One, they do have all their own firsts and no extras, but they're really low on seconds. They don't have their own until 2024. And then they have a leaker second and 21, which looks like it's gonna suck, and then we don't know about port. So they're their kind of middling asset chest is a little bit weak. And then the other big question is they have all these young players, most of which are are under contract for a little while longer are there any of those guys that they kind of want to cut bait on sometimes it's good to trade a young guy that you don't love a little early because then they're not as exposed so I don't know you know that could be Kyrie Thomas but I, I think those aren't you know it's basically like is another team still really is the stickiness of when they were drafted still really useful to any of those teams and I mean they could do something if they don't think Christian Wood is going to resign however if the Pistons trade Drummond Wood might see he's been talked about how he's happy with their with Dwayne Casey and a lot of other stuff maybe you don't trade him, even though he. He's unrestricted because you think he could legitimately resign
0: uh you know what i was thinking about on a drummond trade is if i'm atlanta maybe i'd try to get derrick rose in that trade too and then oh, maybe that would, be, might...
1: that would be huge for them yeah and remember he's a... under contract for next year too so then they, they could solve right. an issue that they have lingering
0: yeah for and seven million i mean they've got turner they've got alan crab they've got chandler parsley they have got like 60 million in, in expiring contracts and they have um, some
1: the hawks still have some cap space too a little bit
0: uh yeah you know i mean uh you know another team that could probably use Derrick Rose, Chicago Bulls. Yeah, the, and just to, to get one more ball handler and score, and he'd probably be closing games for them at this point. And again, the fact that he's under contract to, for next year, no player option or anything like that, it, is pretty useful. um I'm trying to scroll down the list of teams that I think uh, could use Rose.
1: I mean, the Wizards could, but they don't need him this year. They're-
0: yeah, and Wall's going to be back. I'm sure they're going to at least try to give him.
1: Oh yeah, and it's just signed a for next chance.
0: year. So, um, Minnesota. From whence Rose came? Yeah, could could probably use him as well i mean the, the question is what is the price you know a good second might be it uh i would even eh, well no nah, probably not i mean he might be a little i was gonna say milwaukee could use him he's probably a little redundant uh but philly could use him philly could absolutely use derrick rose i don't know if he would be in their closing lineup necessarily he might be in their closing lineup sometimes but and he's not the greatest spacer you do run into that problem but you know as an upgrade over howell Neto and trey burke so there's a lot of teams out there that i think could benefit a, a lot from getting Derek Rose. To me and so maybe uh, and there isn't necessarily another guy out there on the market like rose especially one who makes a, as small a salary uh, as he does
1: um i'll mention for marquise yeah. morris um i've thought about portland as a potential option if they're not going for the bigger swings you know you hear about kevin love all that kind of stuff but morris having that player option for next year the blazers have that possible flexibility but i i think it could potentially be a, a worthwhile add to their forward rotation i mean they need forwards in the worst way even though anthony tolliver had a big game yesterday in their win over charlotte that's not going to happen every night
0: yeah so i mean it seems to me like it's you almost want to get a lot of these guys off your team just to to get worse you know i'm not sure Dwayne casey is totally on board with that but maybe we saw a start of it although i think drummond only played 22 minutes last night but that's because wood was better they made a comeback with drummond off the floor um also it does seem like the longer drummond is there and they keep losing with him in the lineup the worse his value gets uh but i I mean i really considering blake griffin's health situation i don't really see a way that they even compete for the playoffs next year i think they got it just just go into the total rebuild here at this point in time i could see reggie jackson who knows if he comes back but you could see him getting bought out uh galloway again you know someone who could be a rotation player for some of these teams you know maybe he'd look okay as like a backup in boston or chicago could probably use him also there's a you can tell i'm going in alphabetical order here but there's a lot of teams who could just use someone who can shoot and tries hard defensively play him next to your primary ball handler i think he's solid in that role um again whether you can actually get something for him uh you know that's a question maybe him and rose together that would be something that you could look at so and i'm sure the pistons would even consider taking back bad money for next year from maybe like a miami that's one of the few teams that has some pretty bad money uh, expired in 2021 but that's uh Miami would have to be willing to give up assets there I'm not sure they're quite at the point where they want to do that um all right we done with them should we move uh, on
1: uh, just briefly I think something that's a useful piece of information for the Pistons is that you can think about what are they going to ask for in these trades and really they can go wherever I mean they have some young players that are interesting Sekou Dumbuya probably there along with Luke Kennard but I don't think
0: Sekou Dumbuya is untouchable
1: untouchable but I do think that the benefit for Stefanski and their front office is that they can kind of if, if a team wants to to throw in an interesting young player. It doesn't really matter what position that guy plays. It's more about, it's kind of like in the draft, how it's best available prospect. That's really, I think, how they should be treating this. If they can get, you know, maybe not a first round pick for some of these things, but get players of of import would be something yeah, like that.
0: and would like KZ Akpala in Miami interest you?
1: I haven't seen much from him, and he's not somebody that we watch film. Nobody has. He's yeah,
0: he's
1: he's a, he's what? an international man of mystery. Uh, most likely player to be traded for them is obviously Andre. Though you can yeah. make an argument that it should be Derek Rose, but it, it's Andre. Yeah,
0: you know... Oof. i might even say rose just because he has clear value and he doesn't make that much yeah it's but, a lot easier but to mess salary i mean who knows they might just want to say hey we'll we'll put him in bubble wrap the rest of this year and he'll uh, he'll play the same role for us next year all right let's talk cavs here where are they at uh cap and tax wise
1: after so they were right up against the tax as well um before they made the clarkson exum trade and now the cavs have 5.8 million in wiggle room under the tax which is important for them they have a 3.9 million 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 dollar trade exceptions plus their full mid-level exception uh, which is i mean important if they could find somebody that they actually want to use it on and from a pick perspective they have all their own first assuming they pick in the top 10 this year that's that existing obligation um but then that becomes seconds and if that becomes seconds the Cavs don't have their own for a while but they also do have the milwaukee 2022 first if it's 11 30
0: yeah that one going back to the john henson matthew della vedova trade certainly you would think and they've been clear that these veteran bay Tristan Thompson, John Henson would be available. There's even an article that they are trying to showcase John Henson. Um but the problem is all these guys that make too much money and even with the lack of matching salary, you would love to be able to trade away Tristan Thompson and take back some bad salary for next year, similar to what they did a year ago in the George Hill trade hill, a semi-useful veteran at the time, made a lot of money, but you could convince a team like the Bucks to take him and we'll take your pretty terrible salaries. But that trade is just, it's very difficult to find it other than maybe Miami as a team that would want to do that. And Miami, you know, they're not going to have cap space this summer. Regardless, the Bucks ended up needing their cap space that they got from that trade to re-sign Brooke Lopez and re-sign Hill himself. So this is, and they're, you know, you'd much rather do that trade with Memphis and get Andre Iguodala than do that trade with Cleveland and get Tristan Thompson in any event. So my prediction is that none of the guys are going to get moved for that. I mean, we haven't talked about Kevin Love. We'll, we'll get to him in a second. And obviously, we've talked about him to some degree already on, on previous shows. But of their you know, lower-level expiring guys, I think Tristan Thompson, John Henson, like those are looking like buyout guys to me. I, Brandon Knight, I, well, you throw him if, in that category, here's, too.
1: Here's what I'll say is if Cleveland is really willing to get out almost scot-free, I could imagine a trade like if the Hawks don't trade for Drummond, and it's basically just expirings for Tristan to get him to get him out, maybe get some sort of all-right second-round pick. So that- you're
0: saying the Hawks— uh, hawks would take thompson
1: i mean just to add to their center rotation it, why not
0: well but they suck this year they're not going anywhere right yeah, i mean bad. the whole idea is to get someone that Does, you Is that, is that resign. how the front
1: office is seeing it i mean remember our pressures yeah. are, our pressures are different than than theirs
0: yeah no i mean it, perhaps that is the case that they are being pressured to get better this year and trey young is unhappy etc cetera, etc cetera. so i mean, interest in thompson
1: tristan thompson has some appeal
0: yeah i mean he would be like a real adult player on the hawks they don't have a, a lot of those but uh, the hawks don't really have it, it would be rare that you would see that certainly um you know that's a trade the, the kind of trade that would be made like 20 years ago uh and you know maybe the hawks would in theory want to re-sign him but they have so much cap space it doesn't matter to get thompson's bird rights correct and it's not like he has a low cap hold so i i, I understand that thought but well and I mean, yeah I,
1: I thought about maybe but i think basemore's just way better like something involving basemore just to, if they need more bigs for the rotation with Scal and collins still out
0: yeah basemore hasn't really made much of a difference. I mean, I know he's someone that we liked. He's done more than Evan Turner as the guy he was traded for, but you know, I think he's had a little bit of a disappointing year. Um, be- before we Portland. get to
1: love, something else that I think is, is interesting about the Cavs is they have a ton of young players, and I don't think any of them, other than if we're counting Ante Zizic because he had that option decline, I don't think they're ready to to move any of them. You know, Garland, Sexton, Chetty, who just got an extension, Windler, Kevin Porter Jr. So they could add more young guys if they want. Also, that's a lot when you consider that they're probably going to keep their own first-round pick pick this year so i i think that they're that's another kind of piece of information in terms of standing pat is that they're not going to do any sort of those kinds of trades either and they don't like i think it's really just kind of a love deal or almost nothing
0: well so i think it's going to be almost nothing in that case
1: i mean love is such a hard he's such a hard player to move to move three years 91.5 million after this season and love is already in his 30s so these are pretty clearly post-prime years for a player who never particularly relied on athleticism, and I think some people underrate how much a drop in athleticism for unathletic players matters, because it's like, oh, well, if you're a half a step slow, that's okay, but if you're a step and a half, two steps slow, becomes a big problem. We talked about his help defense a little bit yesterday. And, yes, to an extent, the structure of Love's contract, the fact that it stays flat the next two years and then declines is useful, but it's still too much damn money. So, I I actually think, you know, you, you brought this up before, which is, when a player is overpaid they lose a lot of control over being in a situation that makes them happy because it's just so much harder to move them and love is in that circumstance and sure maybe like that's what the money's for he negotiated that contract after lebron had left so he could have had some misunderstandings about what the Cavs were going to be but you know he he made this bed and he can lie in it for as long as he has
0: to yeah it seems like it and that lying in bed is actually what he might have been doing in some of those help defense situations last night <laughs> against the lakers um so yeah i mean it's really we talked about potential Destinations for him. I mean, if you put a gun to my head and I said, "Where's the most likely? Where does he actually make some sense?" Phoenix would probably be it. You know, they don't have a long-term solution at the four. Offensively, he fits well with the guys that they have. I mean, defensively, they'll probably be atrocious with him, but they can be atrocious without him too. And they'll at least get a lot of rebounds on the defensive end. And they probably don't have particularly realistic cap space aspirations. They could get to twenty million actually this off season if. Uh, actually, I'm going to adjust my sheet right now to. Project- that they will not uh keep Dario Saric around so th- and, and that could actually be powerful for them to get a veteran at the four and so you think about it would you rather go into this free agent market and get who you can get or would you rather sign Kevin Love? and you Love might help him make the playoffs this year too so that's not irrelevant but or would you rather sign Kevin Love to a three-year 30 million dollar contract that's kind of similar you know he's at a similar age to where Paul Millsap was when he signed that type of contract Contract with Denver, but number one, that had a team option on it. Number two, Millsap was better at the time than Love is. So Millsap was still playing at an all star level. I don't think that Love is to me right now. And number three, Millsap didn't have the injury history of Kevin Love and was just an overall much better defensive player, much better fit. I mean, we it, as much as you want to talk about the money it's the player too because the type of teams that usually trade for a guy like love are contenders and we talked about how it's just so difficult to build a defense around love because he has to play center and he can't protect the room so that's a a summary of all the things that we've talked about with him but i really don't expect him to get moved until we get to the point where there are bad contracts that go as long as he does and the, and that he the actual like there need to be worse contracts than him out there for him to get traded is ultimately what a Boils down to
1: i don't want and to there d- are I, I don't want to dwell on this but they have they're paid for similar years similar overall dollars ignoring all the equity and everything else issues well how would you feel about an andrew wiggins for kevin loved
0: <laughs> Oof. i mean love and carl anthony towns defensively but offensively but but carl you know, anthony towns and andrew wiggins defensively is tough as well yeah that's it, it the money is very similar for the, the but I, I mean that's one of those ones where i think just as minnesota if you do that you're just and it blows up in your face you you just you can't deal with it well, anymore to, to me like, love doesn't right?
1: like, have love doesn't have the upside to justify it you know like because wiggins could potentially play better than he has so maybe I mean, he's
0: taking a step forward this year an exactly. incremental one but yeah it's a little better. So,
1: so i think it's significantly more likely that like so we talked about the volume of dead salary on a contract. It is significantly more likely that Wiggins changes his fate than Love does at this point. And, I mean, that's pretty sad for Kevin Love. But, I mean, Wiggins is younger and he's shown more growth.
0: Party like it's 2014, Danny.
1: It would be. Can you imagine if that trade actually happened? It would be incredible. Um. So, the other one is, I think you and I are kind of of a mind about this. But Larry Nance Jr., the other negative value extension that Kobe Altman signed last offseason. He, after this season, Nance has three years, $32 million. How, like do you think that there's a constituency for him or is this just, is he another one of those like grin and Barrett at least for now type of guys
0: i mean he's pretty similar to dwight Powell, except he's not nearly as good as dwight Powell. and i think dwight Powell, even with the great season the mavericks are having is is a little bit overpaid for what he is and nance also has health issues he's i think he might even be like 27 already if not he turns 27 this year because he's an, an older rookie no i i think he has negative value and uh, he hasn't exactly distinguished himself as making a difference on this Cavs team on either uh, end
1: larry nance is already 27 he's, oh that's correct he turned 27 on new year's day and that is one of the downsides of a four-year college player: is that they get they're like they're getting old on their second
0: contract. Milwaukee Bucks—they have three million to work with below the tax. I'm going to predict they probably are not going to pay the tax unless some just incredible deal comes along. Also worth considering their salary situation for next year, assuming that Robin Lopez and Wes Matthews opt in. They and they also have restricted rights on Sterling Brown. They've got that Indiana lotto protected pick that's going to go to them and uh, still the stretch salaries of John Luehr and Larry Sanders. So they've got 12 players in theory for next year and would have about 14 million to work with below the tax. So they could have their full mid-level exception. They also could just keep Ursan Ilyasova at 7 million as well. So they could maybe take on some money for next year and they don't have other than Ilyasova They don't have a lot of guys who are expiring. They got pretty much their whole team under contract again for next year you could see who do you see as uh their assets to move if they did want to try and get better for this year
1: dj wilson is probably the most prominent that they actually would would want to move i mean he it doesn't really have a place right now in the rotation Divincenzo has a place in the rotation so you wouldn't want to see him moved as much sterling brown again i i, I like i think i like sterling brown more than the bucks do and then if we still consider pat conaton you know on the younger side pat Connaughton. and then i want to just mention this because it's a little bit amazing dragon bender is now on a fully guaranteed contract with the milwaukee bucks who remember have been penny pinching and has played 29 minutes for them this year
0: yeah that was odd that they decided to keep him around uh but maybe he's non-guaranteed for next year maybe they want to see if they can develop him he's maybe he's been a good guy in their system who knows all, all that crap oh that and of
1: seen. course the bucks could if they want to keep trading young players they could trade the gnosis on <laughs> i'm sure that would go over um, super well
0: yeah now dj wilson who i know some bucks observers uh, have appreciated what he does maybe you want to keep him around because if you're going to move on from Ilyasova next year it, worth noting too that Ilyasova has an early guarantee date of two days after the draft so they're have to make a decision on him at that point in time and they could always try and waive him and bring him back as well he's not going to get claimed right around that time with a seven million dollar guarantee for next year but maybe the thought is we want to keep Wilson around but Wilson actually makes 4.6 next year she doesn't even really make that much less than Ilyasova would for next year um, what do these guys need maybe that's the place to start
1: Malcolm Brogdon he'd be nice
0: uh, someone tweeted me the other day that can you discuss the Bucks once without mentioning the name of Malcolm Brogdon but no I think they could use one more guy who can really put pressure on the room and we mentioned Derek Rose in the piston section and you know, he might be a fit there but he doesn't shoot it off the ball the way Brogdon did and that's a problem and you've already got Bledsoe who's an iffy shooter and George Hill is playing so well George Hill could certainly play the two in some of these matchups not all of them because you'd probably be a little bit small so i'm not sure that derrick rose is the greatest fit i mean he's kind of more a replacement for blood he can't really play alongside him the way brogdon could so and that's one to consider and but you might say that rose is a little more dynamic attacking off the dribble than blood but ultimately they're pretty redundant and, and blood adds a lot more defensive value and frankly is probably a little better shooter as a spot up guy than derrick rose i know rose has had some okay percentages from three but it, he just he, he doesn't have the same spot up jumper to me that Bloodso does as far as the willingness and ability to get it off granted it's a little unreliable in the playoffs these last couple of years
1: the other thing that i would love for milwaukee to add is one more low-end rotation caliber forward somebody they could really have kind of any strength but somebody who has some sort of specific so,
0: someone who could a three and d guy you know what i mean great. like who can really actually guard you know a Kawhi leonard or lebron james because they don't want Giannis in that role chris middleton might be a little small um yeah
1: you know, like if they had the money for marcus morris that would I think he would have been a nice
0: well do they I mean they got Ilyasova at seven million I mean Ilyasova and DJ Wilson gets you there yeah I guess it does yeah I know they love Ilyasova I don't think he's that great of a playoff player I mean they've also got I mean DiVincenzo is another guy that they can move they are out those two picks going forward 2020 and 2022 so i mean they could make another trade they could theoretically trade uh 24 <laughs> and 26 uh but you know it doesn't seem like they would want to do that but in theory you should be all in and th- those picks could have some value the protection on it would be interesting because some teams might be saying hey maybe Giannis isn't there anymore as of that time um but yeah i mean like what kind of value do you put on dj wilson i mean he's at least like an interesting young player i don't know if i see him as a starter necessarily i think you would have to become like a really just an awesome shooter because it's hard to see him doing a ton else um you know it doesn't have a ton of physicality still but a bit of a tabula rasa
1: he is definitely intriguing like that we i've seen some signs from him but wilson i I think his best spot is at center and supply there is insanely high and
0: remember it's not I think his best place is, is power forward power forward
1: okay so then yeah he,
0: he's just, too thin to play center
1: i was thinking of him more he doesn't rebound if, at if all to me if he's a bench player then have him as a bench center and then you're not going to get exploited much oh. yeah
0: i mean maybe you could have you know play him in like a bobby portis type together on yeah, the second that, unit that's kind
1: of what i was thinking and wilson is in the the unenviable place for a team trading for him where he'll be extension eligible in a few you know basically a few months and they won't have enough time to evaluate and then wilson has if the if you i mean they'll have another year to evaluate this if you don't extend him then his cap hold is pretty high 13.6 million and depending on if you know 2021 that's the year that so many teams want to have cap space it might get a little bit fraught if you end up liking him to bring him back and still do everything you want to do so i i wouldn't be as high you know like i wouldn't give up a first round pick for him but you know like an all right second you could i could see a team doing that especially if they have more of an their own Tabla rasa in the front court and then could just kind of see where he fits in
0: Divincenzo, the advanced number for him has been awesome. He's got the best net rating on the team when I checked a couple days ago. Not shooting him amazingly well from three, but he takes some pretty difficult attempts. Would you be willing to move him for, you know, just a rotational upgrade for this year's playoffs or does he have more value than that to you?
1: If it's just a rotational upgrade, if to me, if it's not somebody who's going to have a chance of closing games, I don't think that I would do it. But if you could get, you know, like that Robert Covington or like somebody who, somebody who really makes a difference, who could be a part of some rotations or that, that creator group guard that could be a part of the closing rotation. In that case, yeah, I would I would absolutely consider doing it. But outside of that, no, I think I'd keep around I like De and he's cost controlled for another few years and and
0: and he played well when he was with the starters. Let's think about some other targets who might be available to help these guys. I mean, I the more I think about it, I would be surprised if they don't make some kind of a move. Uh I I know they've been really good, but like this is still a team that has clear needs and I mean, the number one to me is someone who can guard Kawhi Leonard in the final and you know or maybe even a, a Pascal Siakam. You know, maybe you put Giannis on it, but you'd like to have Giannis more as a help guy. uh You know, maybe you have Giannis guard OG Ananobi, and then you have this other guy guard Siakam. Middleton is too small for that, though. So, uh, any names stick out to you as guys they should be targeting with you know, say an Ilyasova and Wilson package, or Ilyasova Wilson and a second, or maybe you throw evencenzo in there if the guy's good enough.
1: Marcus Morris was the first guy I thought of, and I, I think that'd right. be useful. I think Jay Crowder might. Might be a little bit too small for that i i really would really like jay crowder on on the bucks but i'm not sure he fits that niche perfectly
0: yeah I, I, another guy who willingly takes threes but they don't necessarily go in
1: yeah
0: <laughs> they'd fit right in fit right i in. mean that's the thing about morris i, to I me. mean
1: iguodala but i don't that that's even more salary to get into matching but i mean yeah i mean
0: i think they, they could do that i think it wouldn't be too hard uh, and, and actually keeping bender around that's one one advantage of having him still is that he can just give you a little bit more salary matching
1: yeah i mean you do have to find either find a team that has empty roster spots or you can find a facilitator third team if, and just pay yeah
0: or, or they salary. could send a minimum back and you could equal out the rosters and you just take that minimum guy into a minimum exception and then sure. waive him yeah there are um you know there's ways to do that i think uh marvin williams is someone that i would be pretty seriously thinking about yeah. for them as well you know they might not see him as an upgrade on Ilya Sova. i really would see him as an upgrade on Ilyasova. i think he's a better shooter more mobility uh ilia is a good rim protector with his charge taking but Williams actually can block some shots uh I think Williams also doesn't take as many bad shots as Ilyasova does either what about uh Gallo
1: the money there gets complicated and I think it would be interesting for sure didn't you talk about that with Hollinger am I remembering that correctly
0: uh maybe we did briefly but I mean there's a lot of uh, I mean to me Iguodala just gives you something offensive the other thing they don't really have on this team is a ton of passing yeah Middleton and Giannis are okay at it but black. So isn't you know, Iguadala could kind of facilitate a little bit more, but your problem with the Iguodala is he doesn't necessarily fit into the bomb around Giannis. Philosophy, uh, Jay Crowder maybe fits into that, but I, I think there are upgrades to be had here for me, and it's de- a lot of it depends on what the price is. You- Trevor Ariza could be maybe like a buyout target for them as well.
1: Is Damari Car- Damari Carroll, available? Like,
0: I'm pretty sure he is. I, like, I, I was, I think there's just a concern that he might just be done, and, and I mean the Spurs could use him, and that's yeah. just what I, and you know.
1: It is worth noting that Carroll on this season is three of thirteen from three, though he's only played 130.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you know, another interesting one that I might be thinking about if I were them would be uh, Hernan Gomez as a backup four who can shoot
1: oh you know how on board i would be with that
0: yeah but it, you know that's then what's what is denver getting from i mean good teams rarely are going to trade with another, but just with the idea that he could be a cheap re-sign as well, a restricted I, free agent I, I
1: had thought about the idea you talked about good teams don't trade with each other about Mo harkless but i i don't see that trade happening
0: wayne ellington could be another one maybe just to, as if kyle, they feel kyle korver is not going to be able to play ellington isn't a huge upgrade on him defensively but he is one reggie bullock is i mean there's a lot of guys for them to get a little bit more wing help I would love for them to try to get into the Bogdan Bogdanovich sweepstakes, though that might mean a willingness to pay the tax after oh, this that, year. That would
1: be—I I think he, he's probably the him or Marcus Morris are probably like the the guys who would move the needle the most for them, assuming Bogdanovich's ankle gets better, which it, it
0: will. Yeah. Um, and Robert Covington could be a target. I mean, there's there's a lot of guys out there. That's why I expect them to make a trade because it makes too much sense for them to get some of these guys and maybe they get another one in the buyout market too. And, and they they have a lot of depth, but I'm still I'm just like. All right, Connaughton and Divincenzo well, and Ilyasova. It's like like these guys just aren't qu- even Bledsoe. I I want guys who can be a little more reliable three point shooters than those guys at well, the end and of the day.
1: There's a broader point, which is with the incentives involved here, Giannis have deciding on his extension, and talented teams all over the league right now. You have some some interesting teams in the East, and then of course, if they make the finals, some really good teams in the West. That I don't think the asset price is going to be so high that you you damn well better dot your eyes and cross your teeth because you can't and so i think they owe it to themselves to do that and not not have these correctable flaws that could end up costing them
0: yeah and obviously we know that this is uh pretty damn important here for them all right let's move on here to the indiana pacers very quiet around them we haven't really heard anything and they do have a lot of players and a lot of depth and a lot of assets but also hard for them i mean with oladipo coming back they don't really know what their team is and they're gonna have good players who aren't even gonna be playing uh like tj mcconnell and Jeremy Lamb and Aaron Holiday, and you'd love for them to have. I'd say their biggest need is you know a stouter wing defender than TJ Warren, who certainly has improved in that area, but he's just not that strong. But you know like so who's gonna guard either jimmy butler or pascal siakam on this team that's kind of my question when you get into the playoffs if they're really looking for an upgrade uh and they also are out a bunch of seconds and they're 2021st from the brogdon trade i'm guessing they don't do anything it's not necessarily their style really to do anything either they there's not much that they can upgrade other than that one position that i talked about i think they want to see what it looks like with this group maybe we could see more from them the offseason
1: I agree and also I think that they they probably want to see a little bit more from their young players I mean Aaron Holiday had a had, did, did a pretty nice job in their win on Monday and then TJ Leaf it seems like they all just always like him more than I do I've been even though he's a Bruin I've just never really been fully on board and I think that they do need to figure out if the end game and I, it's been better than I expected I will, I will fully acknowledge that at least so far though this isn't the playoffs or anything like that that the Miles Turner Sabonis combination has done better but is that is that the long term and is it possible that you talked about not having somebody to guard Jimmy and Siakam and all those type of guys that they end up having the rubber meet the road in April in that context and so maybe it's you keep Turner now and you and you play it out and then whatever happens when they're both eligible to be traded in July you move one of
0: them yeah so you know maybe it's a a a truer combo forward like a Crowder who could come off the bench but also close some games for you maybe and he doesn't help their rebounding problems that much so yeah i mean i really do think that they probably end up standing pat here especially with oladipo coming back and it being so in flux this being the first year of turner and sabonis starting together that you know if they wanted to move some salary i mean i guess it would be lamb or doug mcdermott or tj leaf would probably be the options there but that doesn't get you you know that gets you to like a crowder level but not much beyond that and you know they they like mcdermott shooting off the bench he has been shooting it extremely extremely well from three this year so i i think these guys got their teams. i just don't feel like there's gonna be they, they don't have any kind of tax or or cap considerations uh i mean they are for next year gonna be 14 million short of the tax they're not gonna go into the tax uh, under herb simon is pretty much at all the port- reporting indicates so but they got plenty of room to use a, a mid-level exception next year should they care to so there just there just isn't the impetus here i don't think especially with you know if of depot were healthy all year and they're like all right we're really going for it that'd be one thing but i i don't think that's the mentality i think they'd be happy with uh i mean i don't want to say happy with a first round loss but they've got all these guys under contract for a long time they're young I, I don't think there's just the urgency here
1: do you want a most likely player to be traded here
0: oh yeah we didn't do that for the bucks did we
1: uh for the bucks i'm gonna say dj wilson because- because it's it should be Ersan Ilyasova but it's not because Budenholzer loves him, and I just I think that's a very real thing. And for this for the Pacers, it's really tough because they just don't. I'm going to go maybe McConnell, just on the logic of if they like Aaron Holiday as their backup point guard, they're going to add depth to the guard rotation as soon as Oladipo's back. So maybe they maybe they make a move on him, but I don't expect them to at all.
0: Yeah, maybe it'd be Jeremy Lamb, who is even with Oladipo, out, he's not closing games now. Holiday has usurped him. It looks like that would be my pick. Maybe there's someone who's interested in him but like you're saying i i don't it doesn't seem that likely to me chicago another team that just has not been talked about as potentially making a move at all and do do you think that they would try to make a move to like push for the playoffs this year i mean it seems like it, especially with this wendell carter injury that it's it's kind of over but and there also are not necessarily any difference making centers out there either and they don't really have any big expiring contracts so you know if they wanted to like try to get tristan thompson or something they don't really have anyone to send back there at this point so in time
1: I-, I wanted to throw an idea at you i don't i'm not advocating for this because i think that yeah. it's too much of a risk for the other team but if they don't think he's out for the Whole year, or basically, as a lottery, as kind of like a, a roll of the dice. Remember, Portland has that weird; they could have like twelve million in cap space or something else. Would they consider a Hassan Whiteside for Otto Porter trade just because Porter could be a useful part if he could stay remotely healthy of their twenty twenty slash twenty one team?
0: Oh, I think it would probably be too risky for Portland, especially. Just, I mean, who knows, man? The, the guy is what is he played fifteen games in a Bulls uniform, and he's got these hip issues. That I mean, that's before we even get into this foot thing. That, that seems pretty. scary he was on a minutes limit even before that happened so i i've just I mean, yeah, if you could guarantee me that Otto Porter was going to be healthy and productive, I would very seriously consider that if I, if I were say Portland. But I think even if you with their cap space that they have next year, or with a mid-level exception, or some someone else that they could trade for that would be a little more reliable, or even someone that expires this year but they could look to re-sign with bird rights, I think I would value that over Porter.
1: I think the most, there are two interesting conversations to have with Chicago time. One of them is, would they consider cutting bait? You and I both love their 2019 Offseason. I mean, we, we thought that Thaddeus Young, Satoransky, both reasonable signings on team-friendly deals that each have lighter components for the third season. Thad Young is entirely non-guaranteed for the third year. Satoransky, five of his ten million is guaranteed. But if Boylan's not going to play them, if they're not going to be the spot in their rotation, yeah,
0: Boylan. He, like the whole reason I really liked Thad Young, I thought he could be a pretty good fit with Markinen in a smaller front court against backup units, and he never plays those guys together.
1: Right. So it might be a useful time, especially if, if teams think that those players could help them this year i think front offices are off are all far too reluctant to cut bait if something's not working and i think that if if chicago if they're not going to change their coach and their coach isn't going to play these guys then then that's consideration so i think that's one big one
0: and all three you- yeah here's the thing though to me is young is having maybe the worst offensive season of his career he's struggling to finish around the rim now uh they're having him shoot more threes but they're not really going in i still think he's a quality defensive player but he's having a rough year and he's got another year under contract. That list of all these players that we went through who are available, I think a lot of teams would prioritize other guys over Thaddeus Young because those guys can shoot, and maybe they're not quite as good defensively, but maybe they're not as old as well. So I just don't think you can get anything for them, and that's ultimately what it comes down to, to me, considering that there are other players who might be more available whose contracts don't go into next year, if that's what you're looking for.
1: That's a fair point. There might be some teams, like, for example, can you imagine just if thaddeus young like if cleveland could just get a competent adult forward on that team just to help help everything out i think that would be especially if they're going to trade kevin love i think i could imagine something like that being useful i don't expect cleveland to do that at all It's the same type of an idea that i would consider for atlanta like maybe maybe that's a deal that atlanta can make in july is okay can we do worse with 13 million dollars than thaddeus young and i mean they could do a lot worse so that that's a possibility but yeah
0: you know i I see i I think that there's going to be a lot of really good value out there in the veteran free agent market for teams that actually have space i think i don't don't like most of the veteran
1: free agents so that's that's for me i guess maybe for a team like atlanta that just has so much money i could see it happening maybe depending on how i haven't really thought about memphis's rotation for next could see a team like that um but then basically with the line there is that maybe there are teams that should be considering this more than, than they are but um the other really interesting question with chicago is what the hell do you do with chris dunn
0: I mean, I think he's fine as a backup point guard. Now they have Sadoransky and they have White still, and you would think that that would be enough going forward. I don't think there's a team that's really like, like done. while he has been effective, he's been a huge part of their defense being good because he just gets so many steals. But he's a tough, tough fit. I mean, he's basically like starting at the three right now. I don't think there's a team out there that's like, going to bring him in as a starter he's going to be a restricted free agent you're going to bring him as a and then try to re-sign him as your backup one and even then on a contender he's never going to get guarded in the playoffs so I I don't foresee him having much value I mean this is still a team that it seems to maybe value their own young players a little bit more than some other teams would and so I think that would be make it a deal prohibited or or make it really difficult to make a deal I should say
1: and the same logic that could lead a team to be interested in Dunn which is that maybe restricted free agency it's about falling in love and maybe nobody falls in love with Chris Dunn so the market is just tepid enough that you get him back at a number you're happy with, or even he takes the qualifying offer, which I think is possible. Then he
0: seems like a qualifying offer guy. He
1: absolutely does, and so I, I could see that as a logic for another team acquiring Chris Dunn because they can, you know, the, then the the cost of it gets mo- gets moderate and all that type of stuff. But that same logic could hold for the Bulls, and the Bulls overvalue their their young guys, even though they didn't draft Chris Dunn, they chose to acquire him pretty early on.
0: No, it seems I think there could very well be some pretty big changes in Chicago this off season, but I don't foresee it. Happening. Happening at the trade deadline now i mean we didn't see it last year either with the auto porter trade but um all right so we promised you guys this And now we're going to finally get to it. We encouraged people to give us their most Twitter comments on the top 10 prospects. And the format was, you're a fucking moron for not mentioning this guy or having this guy too high or too low. So let's get at it. Let's start here. Brandon Ingram, not being in the top 10, shows how dense you two are. You asked for it. That's from Mr. Jabroni. I had him in the top 10. (laughs) He was number nine for me.
1: And I think I had him 11th in the same tier
0: all right well that that shows how dense you are apparently
1: apparently it does
0: um well so uh, ingram i did have uh, i the one player that i talked to about this list he said brandon ingram is way too low booker is way too low you got Ja and Trey Young too high he would have had Ingram I don't know if he would have had him above he might even said he had would have had him above Zion I think he was just worried you know Zion hasn't proven anything yet I think I think that's a, the way a lot of players see it is just like you really have to have been around for a while and proven something and I think the fact that Ingram and Booker are, are more veterans who ha- had played against this guy's team and it had had some good games Uh, where it just for players they determine who's good because they see guys they see the scouting report they prepare for them. Them, they play against them they form an opinion it's just most players are just not going to see rookies second year guys as as good as guys who have been around and kind of proven it in the league but you know ingram certainly to me he could end up better than any of these guys it, it's very possible i think we were worried about his shooting not being real worried a little bit about health you know he, he's kind of not necessarily the uh deep vein thrombrosis thing but just he's got pretty thin has some nagging injuries a lot of the time but and he wasn't deserving of being in this position last year and he's taken an unforeseen leap forward i also still worry about him defensively i thought he was at the end of that jazz game for example he was awful like miscommunicating he can't get over a screen if he's going to guard threes uh doesn't do that much as a help defender the on off numbers are really bad for him defensively and they've uh, always uh, have been pretty ugly so those are the concerns about him uh where do you want to go next here as far as uh some commentary uh
1: somebody criticized us for mentioning og and not matisse a couple reasons for me one guys that can check bigger forwards are just just way more valuable than intriguing defensive guards and also because Thybul, you know he, he can do there's there have been some interesting performances in terms of getting around screens and all that type of stuff but he hasn't you know he's it's early in his career and Thybul, you know he could absolutely be in the conversation I wouldn't necessarily say the top 10 conversation but like you know being an intriguing young player and also generally low usage wings it's harder for them and and OG like I just think that what he does defensively if it works the theory of that is more valuable than Thybul, unless Thy is transcend
0: i mean the thing about og is like in an iso he shuts everybody down like re- like just about anybody like those physical tools the seven two wingspan his strength his athleticism i mean that is just so rare and theibel yeah his creating turnovers i like theibel's jump shot a little bit better than og's right now though OG's taking a step forward there i like og as a driver more than i do theibel but it's really just that og's ability to stop guys one-on-one could be special you were higher on him I mean neither of us had, even had him in players to maybe you had him in players to watch I had him in uh just players worth discussing so and we're, we're not talking about him either of us i think as a top 15 type of guy is that correct for you as well
1: yeah that's correct for me i just, I just yeah that, for me the really it was the idea that if it works he could be valuable because there aren't
0: that many guys who can do it uh Brando Simeo Starkey I think both of y'all just won't ever concede being wrong about Dilo going down with the ship I suppose My question to brandon brando is like what has he done this year that's like supposedly gonna change things right like i mean i guess last year when we did it in december was like just when he was getting going Uh, but i'm just not sure who you're gonna have him above on this list like i think he might have a higher floor than some of these guys but with the lack of athleticism and defense you know i don't see how he gets into being you know a top 10 point guard in the league and i just don't see the upside with him ultimately and also like if he's gonna prove us wrong he's gonna have to actually play too that's it's enough i mean the warriors i'm sure are being conservative with him but like was he played half the games this year or something
1: and and also remember last year when he made the all-star team the nets still had a below average offense when russell was on the floor and yeah their their talent wasn't as wasn't amazing but i mean i thought that Karis lavert looked better than him before LeVert got hurt and Dinwoody had some really nice stretches last year so the the russell came and this is the first year and remember it's not permanent that he'll be there this is the first year d'angelo russell will have had an above average true shooting in his entire career
0: yeah russell has played 23 games so far this year and yeah i think he does have the ability i'm starting to believe that his ability to really hit from mid-range is huge but it also he's one of these guys where when he really has it working it could look really good and then he gets on the highlights and, and then you know when he has his typical nine out of 23 for a 23 points game that just doesn't really show up for a lot of people uh nick says not a heat fan but what makes you skeptical of hero being a 40 percent three-point guy he was showing it really well from the stripe in college doesn't that seem to imply that 40 is within reason yeah he didn't shoot it that well in college by my recollection I, his he takes a lot of really difficult shots too it, he, so maybe i'm being too hard on him was, though i, I think it, like just anybody being a 40% three-point shooter on those that difficult of shots is your null hypothesis is he's not going to be so th- that's part of it but I'm not saying it is it's impossible but I would say more likely he's kind of more 37% gunner type than 40% just absolute knockdown
1: hero shot 36% three Kentucky and took 169 threes and he did make all almost all of his free throws but he took 93 though so he took more you know some part of the reason you use that is to build up the sample and hero like I think the main point is the one that you just got in, which is expecting anyone to shoot forty percent from three is a lot, and especially if you're ratcheting up as you've talked about the difficulty of it. Right now, Hero is shooting seventy-six percent of his threes are assisted, so that that's actually a little higher than I thought it might be. But some of his assisted ones are actually way harder than the average assisted three-pointers. Uh,
0: only gripe I had. This is from Brandon Jensen. Was Nate penalizing Mitchell, albeit not much, for last year's playoff performance, but not penalizing Booker, never sniffing the playoffs. Yeah, I mean I, that wasn't the reason that i necessarily had booker over mitchell it's just a data point that i was mentioning and those guys were very close so they were five and six on my list in the same tier so and i had mitchell higher in previous years than booker so i, I do think that booker has a little bit more iso ability with his superior size and ability to get to his shot off the dribble. i mean mitchell is 6-1 you know and, and booker is like a big 6-5 so that's probably i, I even though and i think booker is going to suck defensively in the playoffs obviously you would have to say that mitchell has had much better teammates and coaching around him than booker uh and part of the reason i moved booker up was his increased efficiency and his ability to work off the ball more which actually mitchell doesn't really do much of so i think booker can score in a a bigger variety of ways but that that wasn't a major consideration there uh i mean that was just a data point that i had for mitchell that i thought was worth mentioning
1: uh at who knows i can't wait for mitchell robinson to be a better finishing go bear with a three-point shot just for funsies how many shots has mitchell robinson taken outside of 10 feet this season, do you know what? Do you know Nate?
0: Uh, I'm gonna say three.
1: One, He's taken one shot outside of ten feet this year. Also, I mean Mitchell Robinson. This gets into, and I've nearly written this piece ten different times. The idea, but the difference between what somebody can be and what they will be, and what they Mitchell Robinson has a ton of defensive potential. Remember, I was banging the drum on him. Like I, I thought that he he had it. I in the the podcast I did with Ben Taylor on breakout guys, I picked him as a possibility. But there is an immense difference between if he figures it all out. And and him figuring it all out, which Mitchell Robinson pretty clearly has not yet done. And I, you know, and I, I want fans to be enthusiastic and, and it's great, especially for the Knicks, considering how decrepit their franchise is and, and that the, the future doesn't look too much brighter, at least in the near term. But especially if what you're doing is levying criticism on people who do not have your same biases, it's probably good to think about, oh, maybe I'm seeing this a little bit different. And yeah, on a similar uh, line, or do you want to talk about Mitch?
0: Oh, no, no, I, I, I'm pretty much in agreement with you there i mean like i thought maybe mitchell could be a a game changing defender but i mean rudy gobert he's younger than gobert but i mean rudy gobert is one of the greatest defensive players of all time just because robinson has some similar physical skills doesn't mean he's going to get there like gobert plays incredibly hard he you got to remember that gobert came up in the european system was playing professional a lot mitchell robinson doesn't have that type of experience i'd like to at least see uh, mitchell robinson starting over taj gibson if we're going to anoint him the next to Rudy Gobert right now. Uh, Peter Justin at Flattermouse Flatter 1986. Nate's ranking of Ja was kind of preposterous. I had him third overall uh, in the third tier. Recall that Luca and Zion were uh, one and two each in their own tiers. You know, I think the way that things have played out in the couple of weeks since we've done that is continue to show how good he can be in this Memphis offense has been one of the best in the league over the last month and I understand this part of this too is my philosophy that younger guys are going to get bumped up a little bit because they have more paths open to them I'm really prioritizing the upside you know if you compare Ja to say Jalen Brown Jalen Brown is probably a better player than Ja right now Ja has some issues with his defense and and he's got to get a lot better but jalen brown is that some of those paths are closed off to him a little bit even though he's gotten better this year whereas jaw is The sky is the limit for him, and when you throw in the fact that he shot it pretty well, he's added a floater from college. He his athleticism is you know probably top one percentile of point guards ever. Great vision, he can get by anyone one on one. It seems like in an ISO, which I wish they would go to that a little bit more, especially at the end of games rather than pick and roll. And he's unbelievable in transition. I think he can be passable defensively. His his defensive effort hasn't been nearly as bad as I feared it might be. I mean. The guy is really, really good. And the flashes that he shows, maybe you can argue I'm overrating just like how awesome some of those highlights are with him. But and there aren't other players who are doing this type of stuff i mean he's having one of the better seasons that you're gonna see for a, a rookie point guard who i mean he's kind of halfway between a first year and second year guy with his or first and, and second year guy coming out of college a freshman and sophomore because he's pretty young i really like him and you could say hey he hasn't proven it enough yet i understand that but i think the crazy upside to me is there and that is what i my personal value is on this list
1: i will contribute in that if we were doing it again right now i I would probably be moving Shaw up a little bit. I don't, I'm still the same, same misgivings that I had, but the more, the more I watch him, the more impressed I am. And there's, there's still a lot of room to grow. And you talked about the physical potential. I'll just do this one briefly. Um, From, of course, appropriately, go Spurs, go. Not even a whisper of the young Spurs studs. All good. See them at the All Star game 2022. A note on that. In order for somebody to make the All Star team, they have to be among the five, let's, let's do say guards, because that's what a lot of the Spurs studs are. They have to be among the four or five best guards at their position. Even if Dejounte, who remember I liked, and, and Derek White, who I've been intrigued by moments in time, even if they dramatically exceed expectations, saying they'll be among the five best guards in the West is insanely ambitious.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you had to say more likely than not to either of those guys make an All Star team. Remember, that Derek White is like twenty, almost twenty six, and yeah, those guys have shown some growth defensively. They look really good. It's just very, very hard for me. Yeah, the Spurs have developed some guys out of nowhere, but there's a reason you consider it out of nowhere because it was wasn't really foreseeable at the time and yeah I might give him a little boost for being in that Spurs system they develop a lot of guys they have a good good way of doing that but offensively it's really I mean DeJounte Murray I know he's coming off the ACL but he got 16 million a year if he's really in an extension if he's really that good and he he would have got more than 16 million a year right if if that's if people really believe that that's his ceiling like you know some of the other guys on this list Brandon Ingram's gonna get a max Jalen Brown is getting 20 million Devin Booker got a max x so i'm not the only one who sees it that way with them i would say um should they have been mentioned and play you know i i would like as guys that should have been talked about well, Derek White's ineligible. I mean, maybe he's,
1: he's already he's already too old um
0: uh yeah no that's a great point i mean i guess it would be lonnie walker is the other one yeah. that he's thinking and, of right i mean and lonnie walker at the time we did this list had played what like 150 minutes this year
1: yeah and he still has a 52 true shooting so uh, i mean lonnie <laughs> yeah. lonnie lonnie walker might even be the stronger archetype for the thing we've the michael Porter thing of the highlights are great and then the rest of it you kind of forget because he's had some really impressive moments this year but it's the over that's why you kind of look at the overall sample and you consider the flashes too because the the flashes can get more frequent that can be a part of it um isn't interesting
0: Here, can, can I do one actually sure. uh since we're on the Spurs theme uh Duncan Manu at Manu underscore Duncan this I think is reacting to the idea that Luca is like the best 20 year old ever and he said Duncan was all NBA Tim Duncan was all NBA for his first eight years he was 21 as a rookie i'm guessing he probably would have turned is uh would have turned 22 by february let me actually i'll double check that no yeah his season age was 21 uh in 97 98 but he made the all-star team that year and then the next year he was arguably the best player in the league in uh, 1999 led the spurs to a championship yeah if you want to talk about who is the best 21 year old ever we don't know what he would have done as a 20 year old but that's something to consider uh, that because you don't think of him in these discussions because he came in after four years of college but he was still really young he just started college extremely young I, I actually never realized that about Tim Duncan but yeah that's certainly worth considering I'm not saying that Luka Doncic next year is going to be better than Tim Duncan was as a rookie but it wasn't really until 22 that Duncan was uh at that type of level he's talking about but yeah that, that's a, admit, a worthwhile Tim Duncan comment. was
1: an old 21 his birthday isn't is not is April so he's yeah. so that means he was 21 for the whole year and turned 22 after the basketball cutoff
0: in a vacuum would you rather have one amazing prospect like Luka or two very good ones like Bron and Tatum, I think I'd rather have the one.
1: Yeah. I mean, to me, the MVP caliber upside, because that makes team building so much easier for everything else you can get different guys and there there could be a different alignment in terms of tiers and stuff where having two guys in the top eight would be more desirable but for right now I I would say that
0: here's another reason for that too is the way the salary structure is right if Luka Doncic could make what he was worth at 60 million dollars a year uh, on his next contract then maybe you might say you'd rather have Brown and Tatum but as of right now Bron and Tatum can okay, probably get paid pretty close to what Luca is. Tatum you I mean, a lot of people are like fate accomplished max for him. So then you say, okay, would you if you have Luca and then one other guy making the same as Jalen Brown or Tatum and Braun, That's pretty easy, right? Do
1: you want to do a piece of live reaction news? Oh, baby. Per Mark Spears of the Undefeated, the Warriors plan to re-sign Marquise Chris to a two-way contract.
0: Oh, that makes sense. That, that, was that really worth a live reaction? It happened. <laughs> yeah. Once once they clear out, Marquise uh, Chris, who never Damian Damian appeared
1: on the top prospects list, there. Now we have a connection. <laughs> um.
0: All right. Let's let's. Do, are there any more that are like really talking shit to us? Let's oh,
1: find uh, you guys. Are are fucking nuts for having shea Gilgis alexander solo sorry i had to do it
0: we we might be actually yep, we might uh, be i mean it, 2020
1: know, and 10 yesterday
0: i mean it, yeah whatever guard rebounds yes but but yeah i mean i had him in i mean here are the players that i had around him jamal murray jaron jackson miles turner shea Gilgis alexander john isaac a, and De'Aaron fox are, are my in my players to watch and yeah shea i just like because he's not doesn't have like crazy vision and he's not this unbelievable like get on top of the rim guy and and he's not going to guard Fords on the other team with his size. I didn't quite see the upside for him. I think he's going to be a very good player for a long time. He might even end up making an all-star team or two, depending on the year. Ben Taylor did a nice video on him. And I think Ben might be slightly higher on him than I am, but not much. And we haven't seen him get his own team yet. He certainly has exceeded my expectations for this year. To me, it was more just about there's a lot of good players that, in that area that I think have a little bit higher upside than him. But no, I, I totally, I, I could very easily see us being wrong about that for sure.
1: Right, and just, just to repeat it, I mean, my logic for Shea is that he has intriguing defensive potential, but what I look for in a guard is can can they run an offense? And we just haven't had the opportunity to see it with Shea, partially due to the teams that he's been on. And I, I like a lot of what he does, and we'll, we'll see where it goes. And, and also remember with Shea, he's shooting, I think it's, uh, yeah, shooting 34% from three this year. And he's sh- more than half of his three pointers are assisted last year. It was 90%. So it's a harder mix now, but like, I, you know, I don't, I don't all the way trust his jump shot in the same respect as some of these other guards where you, you know, like, okay, that could be the foundation of an odds and he could get there. I mean, it, it wouldn't shock me at all if Shea was there next year, but he hasn't done it yet. And for me, especially for a player who, you know, to me, he doesn't have the physical tools of somebody like John Moran. No, no, no harsh criticism John Moran is an insane athlete I I'm more reluctant with those guys to give them the benefit of the doubt
0: uh Daco Carter, also a Morant comment I think you're falling into the nuclear point guard athleticism trap with John Morant like you and I did with Dennis Smith Jr he's skeptical about the shooting he's worried about the knee issues I think Jaw just is so much more productive than Dennis Smith Jr he's efficient already way better passing vision way better finisher than Dennis Smith Jr as well I think a better shot as well i mean smith you remember was kind of low 70s from the foul line jaw is over 80 percent i mean yeah i realize it's a low sample but jaw is at least shooting 40 percent on three pointers jaw is able to break guys down and get to a mid-range jumper and iso on occasion which smith did, didn't really have the ability to do either so yeah i mean smith I, I think he's still at the lower end of his outcome he's also had he had more injury issues than morant as well where, with the torn acl uh back in, in high school so is dealt with a few weight issues i think he, he's got a little bit more issues there whereas jaw is like pretty pretty thin which is, i think it helps hopefully for injuries so i, I think jaw is just on a total different level than dsj he's better than him in every possible area from a skill level standpoint and doesn't have the uh the same character question marks that dsj did also so i i I mean again i acknowledge that maybe just from a highlight standpoint maybe that's what i'm getting seduced by too much but like i I granted this comment came a couple weeks ago but like the guy's producing man and at this young of an age there's there are not many players who have produced at this kind of efficiency and usage and then you throw in the distribution as well at the point guard position
1: Uh, i think there are two other kind of comments that we should get to one is we got a series of venom some of which i think ben got and then others were just not included in that of of ben simmons stuff and with simmons you know some people was oh you underrate his defense um and others it was he's in a really bad system or things like that and i think what what makes simmons such a challenging player to rate and part of how you and i have wavered i had him third last year i had him over luca last year and moved him down is because i don't think there's as much versatility yes it is true that this system doesn't fit him great but if ben simmons is your dominant offensive player if he is the guy the straw that stirs the drink how good is that offense going to be and yes he's a, he's a, a big defender the i'm sure The Jason Tatum stands will get after me, but I think Simmons is a materially better defender than Jason Tatum. But Simmons, if he's in anything other than that best system, his value drops precipitously because he will not take jump shots, and while he's getting better at doing the off-ball stuff that is required of non-shooters, it's so much to ask. And so, you know, like, we're getting you're getting into really high-level players and and guys like, you could put Jalen Brown in a lot more circumstances and have him succeed, really raise raise the bar over Ben Simmons. That's why he's in that place for me, and Simmons could prove me wrong, and we're dealing with him in a tough circumstance in many ways because he's such a bad fit with Embiid but it's still what he's done
0: two things I'll add we're gonna get a good look now with Embiid out for some time here this system that Simmons is currently in is about as friendly as it could be he's got Mike Scott and Al Horford it's a pretty darn good amount of shooting at the four and five positions to play next to him and Harris I mean they don't have that one crazy knockdown shooter but harris and richard he's got four guys around him who can space to the three-point line right now and you saw maybe the vision of it against the pacers but simmons also like can he beat switches probably not The lack of any shooting ability on ball, his difficulty playing off ball, all that—I just don't see the upside for him because of the inability to shoot the jump shot on or off the ball. And so that's why I moved him down because he hasn't shown development in that area. I think my hypothesis is that he's not going to get significantly better with the jump shot. This is year four for him, and when you consider his rookie year as well, when he had plenty of time to work on that jumper, and it's still not going anywhere good. So that he doesn't have the upside like you if you're gonna get into this top five you know i think you really need to be have superstar upside. i don't see that from it anymore which is crazy to say about a guy with his physical tools but i mean if you can't shoot a jump shot unless you're shaquille o'neal there's a ceiling on how good you can be
1: and, and then the last one i think is interesting uh we got asked um why is jaron jackson so much better of prospect than wendell carter jr first of all i will say it is not so much better like i have them in different tiers but they're probably in but i just stopped doing yeah. tiers.
0: carter is better than him defensively yeah, i would say, I would that. say
1: carter's better than Jaren defensively but and the, the the some of the commenters push back on the idea like well Jaren gets to shoot and Wendell Carter doesn't yeah that's fair but also I liked Jaren's jumper a lot better I think that it's better mechanically and yes Wendell Carter is not in the most favorable circumstances he's also 12 of 60 from three in his NBA career uh 76 percent from the free throw line and when Carter again not in a favorable circumstance he when he was at Duke yeah he made 40 41 percent of his threes he took 46 in the entire year so th- there are always people with a lower Closer college line and the small sample sizes that believe that guys who shot well in college, that's just who they are, and a lot of times that's small samples.
0: I still think Jaron has the higher defensive upside with the ability to switch, a little better shot blocker, and also, I mean, the guy is taking 8.2 threes for 36 minutes and making 42% of them. Like that is just such a crazy valuable bomber. He's got more versatility than Carter too. He can play the four or the five. Carter can only play the five. and yeah i mean jaron was another one that people said we should have higher and i I feel that i mean there's a lot of guys who are really good at right now and but i mean that three-point bombing from that position especially if he can hold up defensively and on the boards at center which is looking less likely but it's still a very significant possibility and he's just shooting on the move getting that many shots off hitting that kind of a percentage i mean that's a really really value and he's got 25 percent usage too like his drive game is probably a little underrated he's just to me offensively like carter is he's been better this year as a finisher but he's probably a below average center offensively right now and jackson i mean even in year two also being a little bit younger than carter as well is uh like he's gonna be a monster like he and ja i mean what a great fit offensively between those two guys with ja attacking the rim and and jackson spacing it out are we done here
1: uh yeah uh people can keep an eye out i'm gonna have some new pieces at the athletic in the next couple days and the nba cast will be back soon as well
0: yeah that that'll be back on wednesday but but we're actually going to be on the nba's official twitch channel thursday for buck celtics a little different format than usual they, they show a, a live score screen on it but this is something where we'd really appreciate your support and watching it will be pretty similar format to we might go a little bit more with answering questions and a little bit less with the play-by-play aspect but and it's going to be on twitch only So it might be a little harder to sync up, but this is actually like the NBA is trusting us to go on their Twitch channel. So if we can get a good response here, I'm sure this would be something that would really help us as far as actually getting to do real games where we're actually on top of the video at some point here in the next couple of years when they open that up. But this is like, this is good for us to actually be doing something official with the NBA. So looking forward to doing that. Hope you can check that out. 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific on the nba's twitch channel twitch.tv slash nba so we'll uh hopefully see you guys then and obviously the rest of the week for dunked on as well caesar's sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with caesar's rewards